Welcome to Sports Mad Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. All right, great. So hi there. Uh, my name is Nikki Catano. I'm a regular um, contributor to our Sports Med Res blog site. Um, and lately, we've been having a lot of um, podcasts surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've talked a little bit about how it has affected research. We've talked a little bit about how it has affected um, doctoral students and, and their research. Um, and we've had a little bit of conversation regarding kind of our athletes and how, um, how this might be affecting their, their health um, and when we're allowed to return to play, kind of what, how things might go. So I'm excited to have um, some clinicians here with us um, who are, are a little bit of nerds like myself. I like to get into the research and start to um, kind of consider what best practices for our athletes. So I'm going to ask that they go ahead and uh, go around and introduce themselves. So we'll start with Lauren. Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Sander. I am an athletic trainer at James Madison University and I work primarily with the swimming and diving team. All right, how about Adam? Hey guys, uh, my name is Adam Richman. I work at Dickinson College. It's a division three school um, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, I primarily work with the men's lacrosse team and field hockey team. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a side hustle as well that um, is called Richman Training Systems. So it's an online training platform. Um, where I'm trying to disseminate some information and, uh, you know, help build resilient athletes. Great. And I go ahead, Rich. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Birdie. I'm an athletic trainer at Wake Forest Baptist Health. Um, currently the research coordinator at Wake Forest University for the CARE um, Consortium. Uh, it's through the NCAA and Department of Defense. So I'm responsible for baseline testing and return to play testing for all concussed athletes and student athletes in, in general. And then I also work with uh, the men's basketball team. Great. Thanks. And so, like I said, I'm excited to have you all here so we can kind of talk um, about kind of the athletes um, in this situation and how you guys might um, consider changing your clinical care um, and maybe advice that you're giving them. So what are your guys' thoughts? Have you guys had contacts with your athletes or, you know, or have you started to think about returning to normalcy kind of post-COVID? Yeah, for me, one of my biggest concerns is that none of my athletes are allowed to get in a pool right now. So they're used to um, this low impact type of training. And now all of them are trying to run, trying to do these crazy hit workouts and I'm getting text after text, Lauren, my shins hurt. Lauren, why is this part of my body hurt? It's never hurt before. And just kind of right now, my focus is trying to manage like how to keep them healthy at home and then what that looks like when they get back in a pool and how their bodies and their minds are going to respond to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so my primary role is as an athlete, athletic trainer, but um, at a division three, we just, you know, we, we lack a lot of resources. So I also play the role as of um, strength and conditioning coach, you know, mindset coach, nutritionist, and, and you know, everything under the sun. Um, but so I, I've had a lot of contact with my athletes about actually training. And, you know, when it first, when, when, when we first went on lockdown, um, you know, we, we, it was in the middle of lacrosse season. So it, just the emotional um, part of it, took a, took a toll at first. So we didn't really talk about training right away, but then immediately I was like, all right, well, I got to keep my guys busy. Right. Like, cause there was at, at first there seemed to be like a little bit of hope that we might actually come back, but it was, you know, that, that was, you know, um, not realistic. But, um, so as soon as I, that, that kind of 
went away and we were like, yep, we're on lockdown. I, I immediately decided that like we had to come up with some type of training program. Um, you know, my, the first phase of that wasn't necessarily to, um, to really focus on fitness. It was more just like, I need to keep these guys busy. I need to help them maintain a routine. I need to help them maintain some type of normalcy. Um, so the first phase was really focused on, um, just body weight movements, um, fun circuits, um, things that we don't traditionally do in my programming. Um, just because it, you know, a lot of that more gimmicky training doesn't necessarily, um, elicit the training effect that, that I'm specifically trying to go after. Um, so I, I allowed them to, you know, we're doing burpees and doing random circuits that were again, just non-traditional for what I would program just to keep them active and keep them um, engaged and, and, and give them again, a little bit of that normalcy. Um, and then I, I will say, you know, that was phase one. It lasted like three to four weeks. And then I was like, all right, well, this is, we're in this for the long haul. Like we have to continue to, to train and we have to continue to build some type of long-term load and, and try to get them, you know, running and, and doing some type of normal training. So that way, when we do go back on the fields that we have some, some type of chronic workload built up and, and hopefully will minimize that risk of injury. Um, so, so my thought process was that we, you know, most people have at least some area to, to train, right? Like a, at least a backyard or a, a street out in front where there's, there shouldn't be a lot of traffic right now since there's not a lot of travel. Um, so I put together a, a speed and change of direction program. So very minimal equipment, like no lifting, nothing like that. It's all um, speed based, um, change of direction, agility. Um, and, and, you know, just trying to, again, trying to, to build some type of chronic workload and, and, you know, I think sprinting is the next best thing to lifting heavy. We can still get that maximal motor unit recruitment um, and, and try to maintain some type of power and strength measurements, um, even though we're not actually lifting heavy things anymore. Um, so, yeah, phase one was more just kind of, hey, let's stay engaged. Let's stay fit. Um, let's do something. And now I'm, I'm trying to focus more on speed and, and, and power via jumping and, and sprinting fast. And um, guys have seemed to respond pretty well to that. Yeah, I know at, at Wake um... – our guys are continuing to do ball handling workouts, um, workouts from our strength conditioning coaches, depending on what they're, that they have available to them. I think that's been one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, not a lot of resources today. Um, you know, people talk about the NFL lockout um, in 2011, but all those guys are still able to go to the gyms. Um, they're still able to have their own personal, you know, individuals that they may have to train them. And this is just kind of, a whole different ball game because, you know, gyms are closed, you know, um, cities are taking the rims off of basketball hoops. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of accessible, um, facilities that aren't really accessible anymore. Um, so I think that's been a huge hurdle for us and just in the terms of trying to maintain our chronic workload. Um, you know, nothing simulates workload like the sport that you play. So I think it's, it's been pretty difficult especially in a five-on-five -five setting, um, you know, or, or even a one-on-one -on -one setting. If you have a limited area of space, it's pretty hard to, you know, develop your skill and develop your workload. Uh, so I think that's been a pretty difficult time for us. Yeah, and I think, you know, working with the basketball team, myself as well, like we kind of hit a natural end to the season, you know, and, and they tend to have a little bit of downtime, but then they ramp back up, you know, so load monitoring and um, – has always been something I've been relatively interested in, but I think clinically as athletic trainers, we're going to need to delve a little bit more into the research around that um, and start to understand what might be safe. Um, there's a lot of um, monitoring systems, um, you know, high tech and, and, you know, similar to Dickinson, Westchester University, we don't have a lot of money for those types of things. 
Um, but I think Lauren and Adam, you guys both touched on interesting um, concepts in regards to the athlete's mental health. And Lauren, I know this is an area of, of expertise for you. Um, you know, so can you guys talk a little bit about that? From my perspective, uh, one of the biggest things that I have tried to focus on is, like Adam was saying, a lot less of the physical. Like if I have athletes working through an injury still, we're still working on rehab, of course. But my main message when we have team meetings or when my coach is asking me if I have anything to, to give to the athletes is, how are you taking care of yourself? Because when we look at that, those workload ratios, the internal workload, their psychological stress, what is, how is that affecting them right now? Um, so when I check in with them, it's how are you doing as a human? How, how does your body feel? How does your mind feel? What have your classes been like? What is your home situation like? And just kind of like asking the questions to get them thinking about it. Um, an athlete texted me yesterday and she's like, Lauren, I don't know why my neck hurts so bad. Like usually this only happens when I'm really stressed at school, but I don't think I'm stressed right now. And I was like, I want you to take a second <laughs> and think about how different your current situation is than anything you've ever done before. Um, and so just kind of creating an awareness within them so that they can they can really think about okay how is this affecting me what am i doing about it and what can i do better so like i've been really pushing like headspace mindfulness type things um staying connected with one another maybe not talking to a professional but just like talking to their friends regularly talking to me as often as they can talking to their coaches trying to keep up some sense of normalcy um, in a situation that is totally not normal. Um, I know a couple of our other athletic trainers here, they've been sending out like wellness surveys. So trying to gauge like how much are you sleeping? What does your diet look like? Um, based on the home workouts you are doing, how does your body feel? Um, and I think moving forward, use of wellness surveys like that can be super helpful as we try to try to gauge um, how they're going to adapt to when they start ramping up their physical activity again. Adam, uh, oh, go yeah, ahead, I'm, sorry. No, uh, I was gonna say you use some of that clinically, right? Pre-COVID. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the wellness questionnaires, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we definitely, um, I monitor um, a wellness questionnaire along with RPE from the session from the day before. We, we find that RPE and then multiply it times the session duration. Um, and, and that gives us an in, another internal workload. Um, but yeah, I was just going to say, you know, in regards to the, to the mental health piece right now, um, I, I find my athletes, you know, physical fitness is part of their, their grounding habits. And I know for, specifically for me as well, that if, if I don't get a workout in, you know, the rest of my day and the rest of my habits fall apart. Um, so that's been the big message for me is like find a routine and, 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 and stick with that grounding habit. So if fitness is your grounding habit, it, regardless of what it is right now, like, you know, I'm in, in typically in the off seasons I'm very very meticulous on variables and like stick to my plan don't don't veer from it if you add too much load or you don't do enough you know like I'm very specific about that but right now it's like I just want you to do something to keep some normalcy and, and maintain a habit and if that habit is fitness for you you know make sure you're doing it I don't care what it is go for a run do some push-ups and sit-ups you know just do something to, to to keep you grounded and make that part of a routine the more of a routine you have and the more you can continue to do that routine um again it gives you some some semblance of, of normalcy even though you know you're still stuck at home but um yeah that, that's where i'm at with with um trying to check in with people and just trying to make sure they're they're, they're doing something and, and maintaining some routines mm -hmm. 
Sure, and I think with research, um, you know, linking athletic identity is really high, specifically at the Division One level, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, you know, um, how have like Rich and Lauren's athletes, like have you, because you guys are a kind of elite Division One, you know, with the athletes you're working with. Um, and that's not to, I'm not trying to um, downplay any of the D2, D3, um, but I, research obviously has shown that the division and the scholarship athlete is really linked um, with that athletic identity. So what are you guys seeing, you know, with, with your athletes specifically? I think it's funny. I was just about to say something about athletic identity when you said that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it really, there's definitely a difference between like those fall winter athletes and the spring athletes who had their season so abruptly ended. Um, I know personally for our swimmers, we had three, two swimmers and a diver who had qualified for the national championships and that had never happened before. And we were so excited and it was their opportunity to represent our program and like the peak of their training. And one of them was going to go on to train for the Olympics. And she wrestled with that so much right after everything ended. She went back and forth. Do I keep training in the hope that something is going to open up again? Do I keep working towards this in other ways? Or do I really have to sit down and kind of kind of look at myself and look at my situation and, and just accept and work through some closure? But I think that kind of what Adam was saying, like keeping some kind of routine and sense of normalcy and sort of redefining what fitness and physical activity means to you as a human and not as an athlete really helps with that, that athletic identity sense. So seeing how, okay, if, if physical activity is something that makes me feel good and that makes my day go better and that makes me feel structured, then that's what I need to focus on right now. Not so much, okay, I need to stay fit so that when I come back in August, I can be the best on my team and contribute to a winning season. And, um, bring us farther. So I think that sort of like reframing that mindset as to what your relationship is with your physical activity is something I've been trying to, trying to play with. And then at, at Wake Forest, unfortunately, um, we went out pretty early in the ACC tournament. Um, so, you know, the COVID didn't really have too much of, a, of an effect on us um, besides like our, our postseason um, workouts and things like that. But in terms of athletic identity, our coaches are, you know, doing the best they can to continue to maintain some normalcy throughout this. Um, they do weekly film sessions with all of our guys, whether it's guards or forwards. Um, you know, we have our physical therapist doing rehab with our, with our surgical cases. Um, and then we also have a mental health, you know, weekly meeting that any athletes able to go to with our sports psychologist and uh, team psychologist. Um, so I think it's like athletic identity. It's, it's certainly not what it used to be in the ACC playing basketball and everything. Uh, but I think they're trying to get, a, get on social media as much as possible and to broadcast what they are doing on a weekly basis. I think it's, social media has been a little bit of a, a time suck for me, but it's been a, a good professional time suck. Um, you know, and I think that as athletic trainers, I almost think there's a unique opportunity for us to kind of create awareness and advocate, advocate for our profession. Um, and, and kind of link research with clinical care. Um, and so, you know, there's a unique opportunity. I guess, can you guys think of anything positive that might come out of this as far as how it might change your clinical care um, or it may change your athletes' minds? Just a, 
I always try to come up with a positive spin. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's been pretty positive for for myself in particular, just because I'm able to you know research a lot of things. I'm able to be on some Zoom calls uh, via the connections that I have here um, that I probably wouldn't have access to otherwise if this wasn't happening. Um, so I think it's allowed every clinician to really hone in on some skills that they may have you know forgot about or not really thought of um you know there's there's webinars going on that are now free that usually aren't so i think it's just opened the doors up a lot for um you know clinical education and then uh in terms of returning to you know working with student athletes or the, the patient population i think it's you're realizing like that something may happen and your your chance might be might be gone so i think it's just uh overall i think the athletes are going to work a little bit harder in the event when they when they do come back because it could you know be cut from them yeah I, I mean i would echo that um especially at dickinson you know with the ncaa's new um like concussion policies and the catastrophic injury policies that have come out with the the new legislations um that has really given my staff an opportunity to literally focus on that which we we've obviously it's been on our list to do and we've been working on it slowly but this is you know that that's our primary focus right now so i think from a health and safety perspective for the student athletes that would be a huge positive that we actually have time to get our ducks in a row um rather than just kind of throwing something together to to check a box like we can actually dive into this stuff and, and make sure our policies and procedures are actually um you know best practice and and what is is most useful for the student athlete mm -hmm. I'd say for me, it's brought a lot of gratitude, just being really thankful for the staff that I work with and the support that we have and all of the wonderful connections that I've been able to make over the past couple of years and how that's led to different professional development opportunities and things like this. Um, and just really being thankful that I work with a good, good crew of humans. Um, <laughs> But following up what Adam said, I totally agree. We've been, our staff has been really focused on working with our compliance director, working among our strength and conditioning staff to really look deeper at those, those catastrophic injury recommendations and how we can implement that into our very unique situation right now. So what does this look like as we're trying to monitor training from afar and then what that looks like when everybody starts to come back and do things. Um, we don't have any answers yet, but we have the time to actually like have those conversations right. and play out scenarios. And sometimes it gets a little like redundant and exhausting to have so many what ifs thrown at you, but to actually be able to explore those what ifs is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think I agree with everything you guys have said, and it gives us an opportunity to really kind of hone in and delve in, uh, into the literature and kind of come up with best practices and not even setting policies, but playing out all those what ifs, you know, mm -hmm. so in regards to load modification, you know, taking a look at your swimmers and how their body are going to respond um, once they hit the, the water again. Um, and some of the strength and conditioning um, aspects that, that you've been working with Adam. Um, but I mean, if I guess final thing is, Adam, I love that you kind of talked about if movement is your, can you re say what you said? If movement is your grounding something? Uh, I mean, so, so fitness and, and working out for me is, is my grounding habit, right? Like if I don't do that, the rest of my day suffers. I, I don't eat well. I don't, 
Um, you know, I make, I get lazy, I'm unproductive, but if I, if I, if my wake up in the morning, um, I usually do some mindfulness stuff and then I work out. If I do that, I tend to eat better, right? Like, okay, I, I, I broke my muscles down. I need to refuel them. I need to put the right things in my body so that I can do that again. Um, I, I'm just, you know, I'm more mentally clear. I, I, um, I just, I'm just more productive throughout the day. So just having that grounding habit that if, if you do it every day, just sets you up for success for this, for the rest of the day. I love that grounding habit. Cause that reminds me of the, um, Pat's book that we had to read, um, for the executive board. It was make your bed, right? So there's a Navy seal that the first thing you do in the morning is make your bed. So you have something productive already done for the day. Um, I've actually so, made my bed every morning since that book. <laughs> good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But all right. So I guess to wrap things up, um, we know that, that movement is Adam's grounding habit and he's a, a better person and a better human because of that. Um, anybody else? What are your grounding habits that and then uh, we can kind of let you go back to, to your productive day? In so in quarantine, my grounding habit has been mindful movement. So whether it's um, just going for a walk and listening to a podcast or going to, for a walk and listening to a headspace meditation um, or like going through a yoga flow or a yoga sequence. I've kind of, I used to do that a lot and then I stopped because I didn't prioritize it. Um, I won't say I was busy because priorities are everything, but <laughs> uh, I didn't prioritize it. And now I've had the opportunity to reprioritize that. And it's really had an effect on just kind of like Adam was saying, just like a clear mind and being able to focus on what the rest of my day looks like and what I want to get out of it. I think my grounding habit has remained pretty similar to, you know, outside the COVID, um, you know, learn something new every day. Right now we have the, all the time in the world to learn things. Um, so just continue to try to develop yourself as a professional and as a person, to be honest. There you go. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys um, for coming um, on to, to this today. Um, I think is Headspace, isn't that free for athletic trainers right now if you have an MPI number? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Yep. It is free if you have an MPI number. And if you want to spread it to your students, they have a student special where it's only $10 for a yearly subscription. We'll add a, a link to Headspace on our website. If you guys have any other links that you think would be good to share with other athletic trainers or athletes, um, let us know and we'll put them up in the show notes. Okay. I have a ton of mental health ones. I made a huge Google Doc for our staff if anybody wants me to share that with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would. I would totally. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Take a look at that. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, so I think that's all I really have for today. I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Jeff, do you have anything? Uh, thanks, guys, for coming on. If you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our six online evidence-based practice CEU courses available through Human Kinetics website. We'll have links to our courses on our website and in our show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then... Stay well.